0: Bringing business, consulting, and product expertise together, Galaxy Solutions industry experts explore current trends in technology on the GX Podcast.
1: On this episode of the GX Podcast, we're going to be discussing program management and how AI, Agile, and other practices are changing the field of project management. I'm joined today by Carl Brule, retired VP at Johnson & Johnson, Kaushik Bhattacharya, Prime Minister Research Fellow at the Indian Institute of Science, and Galaxy's President and COO, Sandeepan Gangapadhyay. Welcome to the show, everyone.
2: Thanks, Tracy.
1: Let's just jump right in here. Carl, let's talk about Design for Tomorrow, Volume 3. I understand the three of you collaborated on chapter, the infamous Chapter 50, titled Design of an Expert System for Decision-Making, in complex regulatory and technology implementation projects, why don't we just open it up with, you know, how did that how did that come about? And let's talk a little bit about about that topic. To
0: well, figure. the scariest part is why is it infamous? You know,
1: <laughs> because of the long title,
0: <laughs> right? Okay. okay, okay, okay. That part, you're you're right. You're right. The, the subject matter isn't. You know, uh, one of the things we we realized, and and this is J and J in any large company. Uh, large projects tend to get out of control, right? You know, there's there's reasons for it and then there there are certain projects that they take on a life of their own in terms of it's a strategic initiative and no one's willing to say stop because it's not meeting the timeline, it's, you know, going over budget and, and everyone's, you know, at the last minute throwing more resources, throwing more money in to try to get it to the goal. That's not the, the time to to manage or control it. You know, our our belief and contingent is if you've got those controls, that management structure up front, and you've got appropriate monitoring in place, and you've got, you know, open Honest conversations around the status of the project, then you're more likely. I'm not going to say you, you know nothing's mm-hmm. you know guaranteed in this world, but you're certainly more likely to succeed. Now, a number of those things can be measured. You know, cycle time can be measured, duration can be measured, cost can be measured. You know, and and we can put those things, those best practices into tools and we can uh, determine probabilities of success based on those variables and i think that's a it's, it's a great start and we learned a lot from from doing that but at the same time you also need to have start out with trained or you know very experienced you know project managers that are setting up those rules and setting up those metrics. And then you incorporate the rest of the team members. And again, you measure against those metrics that are put in place. And over time, you'll see which ones are a better indicator of success or not in in a project. So all those things were sort of going through our head and were your hypotheses that we really wanted to you know, bear out in that, you know, infamously long uh, <laughs> title, but yeah, so I gave you an infamously long answer too, but. So, yeah. so
1: really the, so really the goal that was, no, it wasn't that long. It was pretty good. So the goal really was to kind of prove out some of those theories that you guys had based on just your own expertise and experience in the field and in looking at other organizations was, was to kind of prove out some of those theories
0: that's right and learn along the way i mean it, that that's a wonderful thing about ai and data right some of it de- depending on the volume of data ai is going to be able to you know to you know identify patterns that we you know as humans may not and and then there are other things that are going to be come pretty obvious just based mm-hmm. on you know uh, uh, how data is, is clustering that we can make some Inferences on in terms of measures of success or potential measures of, of failure.
1: What is it that Sandeep and you like? Uh, we, we're trying to get mugs, uh, keep calm and trust the data. In that context, Sandeep and let's talk about really how we can apply this kind of learning and what we learned out of the uh, that, that uh, research, you know, what our clients are asking for and, and what are their needs.
2: Certainly, Tracy. The, you know, let's take a couple of key factors that drove the hypothesis that Carl was talking about. So for example, we know statistically that big projects are notoriously difficult to predict, you know, in terms of outcomes, timelines, on time, on budget, all that stuff. So uh, we also know that if you do give managers, You know, something like a 30 to 45 day look ahead. This is what we found uh, through the initiative that uh, Carl led um, at his um, organization, Kaushik, and we supported that through automation. That 30 to 45 day look ahead um, gives the managers enough runway to resolve those uh, constraints, uh, the impediments. uh, And so, Being able to predict, to Carl's point, whether it's uh, data-driven, AI-driven, is meaningful. And we were able to prove out the hypothesis over thousands of projects, statistically, that, hey, if you do give that level of look ahead, the outcomes are drastically different uh, in a a positive way. Let's take an example. Uh, Resources, right? Resource contention. You may have shared resources. Um, after all, today is the day of the big resign, right? So how sensitive is your program or project to uh, resources and their availability and their on time arrival and departure and so on and so forth? So we were able to uh, produce some models that would predict the impact of um, you know, such issues. For example, a shared resource, another project is uh, uh, delayed And so you have 30 to 45 day look ahead that hey you will need this resource but just so you know the project they're on is delayed that's very difficult to track in a large organization manually but when you have rules governing that kind of behavior governance uh, availability uh, this is information that a manager can use to uh, address that problem now therefore what's important for these companies, and it's not just, you know, we have seen it, uh, you know, repeated at other organizations uh, beyond um, where we work together, Karl, Kaushik, and uh, the rest of us, is the need to tie together work plans, work breakdown, resources, demand, availability, you know, value delivery, portfolio prioritization, alignment with SDLC, compliance needs. When you put all these things together, you are solving three of the most difficult, you know, um, uh, you know, problems um, that make this kind of an expert system very challenging. And the the real problem is uh, adoption, right? The real problem is, hey, will the scrum masters or the project managers or the uh, you know team members actually follow and the processes and actually record their progress. So the idea was to come up with you know um, how these three potential solutions uh, would help with that kind of an adoption and one was with uh, making sure that we were automating some of the administrative stuff. so we wanted to make sure that, there is an attraction. So a project manager, or a scrum master, you take their administrative stuff off the plate and that will bring them to this platform and this way of working. The second one was once you do that, you make sure that your model, the governance that you're implementing is your single source of truth. So whether it's going to the board, whether it is going to some executive committee, whether it is going to a steering committee, whether it is uh, you know the status of the project is being used at a, a team level. It needs to have the same, um, you know, source of data. As Carl was saying, it's all driven by that data. And if you have that, then uh, again, you see increased adoption because people don't have a choice. They have to submit the appropriate data. Otherwise, um, people will, um, you know, um, communicate um, inaccurately. Uh, and at a senior level, if there is inaccurate communication, there is, um, you know, there are repercussions. The third thing that we found is that uh, you need to also use some level of automation through these expert systems to find bad data. If somebody is not updating things regularly, um, come up with ways to identify that and stop that from happening, stop the bad data uh, from coming into the system and also promote good behavior. And that means that if you have an expert system or AI that is data dependent, you have to make sure the data quality is good. You solve these three problems, what we found is um, much higher levels of adoption. uh, And uh, post that level of adoption, we saw a material uh, change in the accuracy and the predictability of outcomes.
1: So you you just dropped a just kind of casually dropped the term expert systems. I don't know if that's something we we'll want to dig into on this call, or if you want to you wanna just kind of outline what that is for the listeners.
2: Um, I will ask uh, Kaushik to speak to it a little bit, Kaushik.
1: Yeah,
3: thank you Sandeepan and Tracy. I think this is
2: a very important aspect of,
3: uh so what is an expert system? That's the question. Uh, so before I try to go there, uh, let's try to understand the situation here. So. Uh, so, in a, in a business process or any organizations, okay, so we, it involves a lot of decision making, and those decision makings are human decision makings, and in a, as organization uh, grows in size and complexity, those decision making becomes uh, very, very complex as well, because we see the multidisciplinary implications of one discipline uh, coming on the way of another discipline. So, expert system is in a, in a simplistic way is also com- very popularly called knowledge-based systems. Actually, try to mimic those human decision-making process, but much more with much more accuracy. So, in a in a in a in a, uh, in a technical way, these expert systems are considered part of the broader artificial intelligence domain, and and there are many types of artificial intelligence. The expert system is actually one of them. And it has many advantages associated with it. Uh, primarily, it has been found at, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, um, with all the information that came from the industries and academic academia that these are, uh, these are very reliable. And they are very close to the human cognitive process. Uh, so that, therefore, expert systems are typically found to be, uh, you know, adaptability or acceptance of an expert systems, what uh, historically or traditionally found to be very high. So this is how the expert system basically plays or comes into the, into the picture. And, and as we see, uh, the situations are unfolding uh, in front of us. These expert systems or uh, AI system in general are going to be more, uh, you know, uh, integral part of the business processes uh, uh, you know in the in the foreseeable future. So the way decisions will be made, the way works will be done, um, there will be heavy dependence on artificial intelligence and kind expert of systems uh, going forward.
0: I, I think the important thing and Kak certainly knows this a lot better than I do, but and when you you think about and talk about expert systems and AI, you get to really you know talk about Genesis you know, in terms of for a project. So those AI systems, they have to be trained. So there are true experts that are training those systems, human beings that are training those systems. Then there's a stage of supervision, right, to to sort of monitor those results and augment with a human to make sure that the outcomes are, you know, in line with, expectations initially right and then once you get to a level of high confidence and there, then there there could be potentially you know non-supervised meaning that that ai system you you were at the level of confidence with it that it generates the results and we react based on those results with high you know confidence that those results are are accurate are telling the 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 right story, yeah.
1: so not not a straight shot by any means. Not not a, a straight shot. Not a straight shot. Sure. Any predictions from the from the experts on the call? You know, at a time frame when we see more organizations being uh, expert and utilizing expert systems, or are they already? And may, maybe that's the bigger question.
3: So I mean, I can make a start, and and Carl and Sandeep can jump in. See the expert systems. If you see the history of it or AI systems. The if you see the history, it goes back to way back to 50s or 60s, okay. And 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 industry started using expert systems even from 70s, but at the time things were not uh, you know easy to implement or build an expert systems or AI systems so to speak. uh, Primarily because of the data, and the computational powers were not so easily available. But with the computational power becoming more and more easily available. And data, you know, is, you know, is now also, you know, now we are talking in the era of big data. So we do not have the, uh, you know, of data. Challenge is actually good quality data. Uh, but at least we have uh, come forward from the 1960s and 70s, where there is no data to a situation where we are exploded with data. So this actually makes the use of uh, expert systems A uh, a more, you know, inevitable uh, kind of situations uh, because this is where actually the machine or computers can actually help. Uh, There is a popular myth or uh, kind of you know goes around that AI is going to take away the job. It is actually not. Uh, It can be a, a complementary to the human functions. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, studies and experiments that are proving it every day that how machines, uh, especially this kind of intelligent machines and human being can work together. Uh, so this is how I see. And I think probably this uh, the way things are going, up, it will be de- definitely be adopted because there are very much uh, things that humans can do up to a certain extent. And uh, we want to uh, you know test our limits so I personally see that it will be adopted or you know, it is getting adopted uh, you know, day in and more and more in the business processes.
2: Yeah, I would also say that expert systems are called expert systems because they represent the knowledge of experts in a field. And how do they do that? Uh, back in the day, uh, people would manually uh, encode that knowledge as a series of rules uh, called heuristics, you know? And AI is changing that by saying, hey, you don't have to sit and do that. We're going to derive those rules, the best practices, the secret sauce, essentially, from data. Uh, And so to Kaushik's point, data quality and what data goes into the system is incredibly important for you to uh, determine those rules uh, that drive the expert system accurately. And a big part of what we have worked on here that is encapsulated in this uh, chapter is how we got to that point and the proof that the expert system was suggesting the correct outcomes, predictions, and giving the correct recommendations is simply in the results uh, by seeing the improvement in the delivery of, of projects at scale.
1: Let's it back to another concept I want to I dive into, which is the concept of agile. And Kaushik, as organizations embark on agile approaches, including startups that start with agile processes, governance is key. Why do organizations overall need governance? And can you help me understand some of those pain points? Uh, sure, Tracy.
3: Governance, as you as you all know, that it's a very important and critical component of any business process. For a successful uh, executions or delivery, uh, the governance is must. I mean, good governance is must. Now, before I try to say something about governance, what it is or what it can do, let's try to understand the challenges that where governance can come in and help us with. So take the context of expert system itself, which is the subject of this book and uh, and our uh, kind of focus of your discussion. So if you take that expert system as a context, So we are talking about the express system. The heart of it is a knowledge acquisition system, which constantly harvest the knowledge, not as a static information, but a dynamic information. So we are constantly acquiring knowledges uh, from the field, from the organization, from the people, process, et cetera. In, a, in a organizations, typically these knowledge systems or knowledge uh, you know, acquisition process is not limited to one particular domain or uh, you know, uh, area. It's typically a multi-domain or multidisciplinary where many disciplines and domains need to work together to deliver the final outcome of a business process. So when such things arises uh, or such th- things happens, there are few challenges that immediately that come in front of us or we see Uh, First is, you know, how do we resolve conflict? Like one, one, you know, the the business rule of one organization is not coming on the way of another organization. How we do conflict resolutions? How do we harmonize among all these different different disciplines or domains? There are, final objective could be same, but there could be different ways of doing, and everybody, every department may try to do it in their own way. So is there a way we can harmonize them, that we take away all the redundancy and we all stick to the common ground? So harmonization is another important thing that uh, we see uh, in any any, efficient uh, business process. Third thing is the prioritization. When we are challenged with so many new things coming up on our our way every day, new things, constant prioritization is a very important thing that can only help us to stay focused. So governance is basically uh, a critical thing which can help with all these things. It can help with conflict resolution. It can help with harmonization, prioritizations. All these things uh, is that where governance can come in. And... and
0: Karsha, the thing that I would add to that is efficiency too, right? Especially in the the world of agile. I mean, if you think of... Yes. handouts. If you think of the stand-up, yeah. right? You, you know, yes. 15 minutes, you know, uh, what have you accomplished? What is your plan? And what are your impediments? Really the three things that you want to get out of any conversation to help a a team or a member of a team move forward. And that sort of governance or structure around the stand-ups help folks get there a lot more efficiently than saying, well, the meeting, uh, a meeting should only be, you know, a half an hour long. Okay, but what am I supposed to accomplish during, during that meeting? How do I get to the, the meat of what's to be accomplished? So in agile, That's a you know, giving that governance or structure in terms of those three questions, I think also helps with the efficiency component.
3: That's there's, there's a great point, Carl. And um, certainly if we see the agile model of delivery, by design, agile has governance inbuilt. Like right from the backlog prioritization, which essentially to me is a, is, a, is a governance process to help us stay focused on priority and the daily standups and the end of the scrum, the sprint reviews. These are all essentially elements of a governance process that come in. So agile that way is not. Uh, people may tend to think that it's the governance is a traditional project management and agile and governance might not go along. But the the reality is that uh, agile has a uh, inbuilt uh, governing uh, governance process which help us to achieve uh, our end objectives. Got
1: it. Got it. Okay. Any final thoughts or anything to add on this topic overall? Uh, I
3: may just want like to reemphasize that with this in this disruptive time that we are all living in. Where technology is changing, businesses is changing, you know we are seeing challenges new challenges in every day. So we need to have a new type of solutions to deal with those challenges and that actually signifies that creativity is uh, or innovations that are essential, um, not just uh, you know creativity and innovation uh, not in just coming up with new ideas in terms of new product, new services, but also, how to deliver those products, how to deliver those services. So it's both in the executions as well as in in new conceptualizing new ideas, we need innovation and creativity. And that is where data really plays an important role because innovation and creativity, it comes from experience. Uh, uh, The more experience we have from different encounter uh, that we encounter from different situations, those experience actually helps us to build, gain or develop insight. And that has been proven, uh, a lot of cognitive studies has been done on the, on, uh, the neuroscientists uh, uh, and those, those community. They have proven that this is how our, even the brain, also human brain works, that we try to connect all the dots that we, co- we come across every day and every, every now and then the situations. Uh, so this data actually plays a very, very human, uh, you know, important role in this whole uh, game. And, and, and this is how I, that's how I see this uh, expert system, artificial intelligence, they are going to be you know, more prominent. Uh, I would like to say that one, add one thing, especially as I, as I work with a lot of small businesses nowadays, I was touching upon in the beginning of my conversations, this COVID you know, has uh, impacted them perhaps, uh, you know, harsher than many other uh, organizations or businesses compared to the, especially the larger and big organizations. But at the, at the same time, they have a unique opportunity uh, with, the, with, the, with the change that are coming in uh, with the big organizations or large organizations uh, cannot uh, immediately fulfill. There are a lot of local unmet needs of the users, customers, societies in general which only small and medium businesses can uh, can you know, fill in or fit in uh, to, to, to get out of it. So if they can think about this kind of data-driven approach and this is where I see uh, people like us uh, who can help them, uh, organizations like us can help them, that they, they need such data-driven uh, and you know, uh, artificial intelligence-driven solutions, but they do not know how to get it or how to do it? We can perhaps, uh, you know, together the big organizations and small organizations can, you know, join hand together and and and, and help to real solve the real know uh, uh, societal problems.
0: Hey, Kelsey, that's that's interesting. What do why do you think the smaller companies are are more or better positioned because of their flexibility or ability or agility yes. to use that word again? Yes.
3: So their flexibility and agility is certainly is one of their advantage because they can adapt things uh, pretty faster compared to the bigger organizations. But I would say that what I've observed is not just agility uh, in terms of delivering things, but the customer insight. So for example, I was, I was uh, working with a small enterprise, uh, you know, it's a very small companies who uh, develop the special footwear for diabetic patients. So, so these companies, they actually work uh, with the diabetic patients who, uh, who need special footwear to fit uh, suit their you know, foot or leg. Now they know the customer, the kind of customer insight they have because they work with the customer so close is kind of unparalleled. We sitting in a, in a big organization uh, or you know, many layers above the actual customers. We lack that insight. So that is I see as one of the strength that they, they have, but they do not really know how to fulfill those unmet needs or how can that insight be you know converted into a real business problem and we can fulfill uh, you know that business problem. So that is how I see that you know the gap. So it's not just agility in terms of delivery, but their customer knowledge or customer insight that they bring to the table.
2: I I think that's also meaningful in terms of having the appropriate information to drive whether it's governance at the highest level or even shaping your strategy. Um, You know, another thing you may find is because in smaller organizations, people you know, cover more than one role, people wear more hats than one, typically in smaller organizations, there is, um, uh, um, uh, there is more, co- you know, I wouldn't say just uh, they're more cohesive, but also in terms of the uh, gap between uh, somebody who's customer facing uh, with somebody who is operationally delivering uh, a product with somebody who's coming up with the product strategy, that gap is uh, much uh, smaller and sometimes non-existent. And so I think um, to this point, using data to um, build systems that help with decision-making can replicate that level of intimacy, if I may, right? In, uh, in many organizations. And yes, it can close the gap between big organizations and small organizations, but more importantly, at the end of the day, it is going to deliver better products, better solutions to people, to organizations, and uh, especially people that need it most or people that can't afford um, you know very expensive solutions. Um, so this can right-size solutions for people using that kind of data to drive decision-making.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, it becomes uh, and an issue of at scale for those larger companies for for sure. And, and not that this is a plug for data scientists, but you know, data 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 scientists play a huge component in in this big in terms of helping to you know translate you know those insights that you know can be derived from from the data as, as well. I mean, certainly the expert systems are there, you know, to an extent, but then, yeah, how do you translate that into implications for a, a company, for how a company should behave differently or where the, the markets are? So, you know, uh, go data scientists. <laughs>
1: Still not taking the people out of the problem. Right? That's right. No no, how no, I, the systems are.
0: Absolutely. I, it, I think we always need to think of it, in, in my personal opinion, as you know, augmenting, right? You know, uh, improving, yeah. you know, uh, adding to, but not replacing. It just becomes a, frankly, a higher level that the human is, you know, uh, working and associating at you know, uh, when the, the expert systems, the AI is assisting because there's mm-hmm. still no replacement for the human brain and the create creativity there, but the AI can certainly help bring something to the table in terms of aggregating data, providing insights that the human then interprets and translates into new products, new ways of doing things, you know, you know ways of a uh, you know, uh, uh, addressing larger populations. There, certainly. They actually,
3: they complement each other, each other, not compete. Uh, human sure. and,
1: and
0: machines, they don't
3: come. Carly's a bang on the point.
1: So uh, for me, a really interesting discussion about uh, expert systems, the important role that people still play, the role that agile can play and especially scaling, scaling organizations. Um, I think this is a really uh, good and informative talk for those of you who haven't picked up the, uh, design for tomorrow, volume three, take a peek at chapter 50, where you can learn more. Um, thanks everyone for joining me this morning. Um, I appreciate your time and your expertise.
0: The GX podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, or you can visit us at galaxy. That's dot com for more content.